Welcome to the first episode of a brand new series of Your Time on the Run, the Hunter podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Holmstone, and joining me as always is my fellow Brit, who's doing this podcast just to prove you still can, Anthony Williams. Hello, good to be back. Oh god, it's been a while, hasn't it? Hmm. Like October the last time you were on, I think? Was it as recent as that? It feels like years. Well, it's September we did, we started doing Hunted Series 1. So by that logic, it was probably sometime around your birthday that yeah, we, uh, yeah. we last had you on. Wow. And the lady who has a lot in common with Katie and Liam, in that she also tours abandoned buildings to find somewhere to leave her children, Michelle Pierce-Denneville. <laughs> Hello, lads, we're back! Yay! You're very excitable today. Well, you know what? It was like an hour ago, and I was thinking, God, I've been podcasting an hour, I've got to get ready. Because the last podcast I've been doing, the last, you know, what, 12, I've been on camera. And I've like, I have to look half decent, but I don't even have to look half decent for you guys. Mm-hmm. For the record, not a podcast. It's, it's done on video, therefore not a podcast. But yeah, we don't have any sort of standards. No. <laughs> How have your guys last like six months been? I know it's five for Michelle, but... It's a bit longer yeah. What have you been up yeah, to? Yeah, all, all good. Uh, been busy with work, actual work, and really busy with comedy work. So, yeah, barely a moment to myself, which is good. You mean to tell me this isn't work? <laughs> well, you mean to tell me you're paying me? No, God no. <laughs> if I don't get paid, you don't get paid. Well, there you go, then. <laughs> what have you been up to, Michelle? Um, well, since the last time we podcasted, I have not had to go into lockdown online learning again, <laughs> which is a bonus. Um, and I did have an interview for a show that I really, really love, but I did not get on. Anyway, onwards and upwards, at least I've got further than I ever have before. Yay. And... I think it's also fair to point out that Hunted Australia is now a thing, and Sherlock is back for it. Yes. Yes. So good. And I'll also say there is absolutely no committal from me that we're actually doing it, because it will probably end up being four episodes a week. (laughs) (laughs) And as you guys have seen this week, I don't particularly do well with inconvenient schedules on this show. (laughs) Well, let's see what happens with it. I mean, mean, yeah, it could be, but... I also, I never thought that Survivor South Africa would be four episodes a week, but what happened there? I mean, let's just, let's deal with the elephant in the room. Channel 4 have screwed us over with the scheduling of this show, this series. As <laughs> <laughs> soon as it got announced a couple of weeks ago that it was Sundays, I'm like, oh, for God's sake, this is the worst possible day for us. And yeah. then it's like, oh yeah, it's Sundays, and we're not putting it all on all four in advance of the actual airing like we did for the celebrity one, which would have been significantly more convenient for you guys. But no, we're having to do this last minute and you're going to get it every Saturday and you'll like it. (laughs) That's the best we can do. In terms of personnel changes, there is a significant heist crossover now. We've got at least four people from the heist detective team who are now part of this show in some description. Uh, in that Adara was in HQ for the Celebrity Series, Ray is obviously a deputy, and uh, my favourite Georgina and JP are ground hunters together, which we see a lot of in the first two episodes of the show. Do we think that means no more heist? Yeah, I think that means no more heist. They've not given any indication that there's a third series of the heist coming, but um, I think it was one of those happy coincidences that they needed some new people because of significant departures like Sherlock and Danny, and Nick obviously is gone as well. And they thought, well, we'll fill it with the people who we know will do a decent enough job. Arguably, they they didn't exactly catch many people on the heist. But yeah, doing a passable enough job, they just brought over at least four people from the heist. And I apologise if any people who were on the heist are listening and are actually on this show that I've not spotted in the, uh, in the Hunter list yet. But it's at least four. And um, I think Michelle wants to talk about the new chief as well. <laughs> we'll do that as we go along, shall we? Yeah. I mean, I did kind of tweet along with the Celebrity Series, so I don't think anyone's going to be surprised at my opinions on uh, on the new Chief. I find her a little bit abrasive for my tastes. Oh, I haven't read your thoughts at all. Michelle was um, greatly amusing me when she was watching the episode, just going, oh, I've got another note about it. Oh, I've got another note about it. <laughs> well, she's going to generate opinion, and that's got to be a good thing, right? I am of the opinion that we're not going to go too hard on her, Michelle. It's not a Dr. Donna situation where we are the only people slightly teasing them. 
Um, we're not going to go too hard on her because obviously she is still human, and a lot of people have said a lot of nasty things about her. Really? Have they? Oh God, yeah. Have you not seen the tweets? No, no, I haven't. Yeah, people have been very horrible about her on Twitter. Well, you know, I'm not a horrible person. No, I just, you know, I'm a bit tell it like it is. We will likely poke fun at her. We will also, inevitably, by the end of the series, probably come up with a nickname that will stick on Wikipedia and then be quoted in the Radio Times again. <laughs> That's certainly my plan. But we're we're hopefully not going to be too mean about her. No. One question I did have is, do you think the Hunters have had to learn how to do your time on the run in uh, British Sign Language? Because of Nathan and James. Ooh, Ooh good question. Yes, Here's a controversial opinion. I don't think they'll need to. I don't think they will either. They are definitely my favourites. What I will say is that the pre-episode trailer of episode one is super spoilery this time. Yeah. I don't know how much of it you guys caught, and obviously I'm not going to say too much about it. And I was trying to go into this series very unspoiled, but there is a lot of Nathan and James content in that trailer. Yeah, I I tried not to focus on it because I I don't want to be spoiled. No. There's a particular thing I'm very interested about with one of them because there's something very mischievous that one of them does in that pre-episode trailer that uh, I'm I'm very excited when when it finally airs, but I don't think it will be airing for a while because I think they're probably going to be making it very far. Yeah. Yeah. So we begin with Jordan and Nicholas seeing Grace and Abby talking about Victorian flirting and they <laughs> run away. Then we get a lot of a lot of potential capture scenes in the pre-episode nonsense, which they really need to tone down on. And we begin with the new chief, Lisa Thika, being back after her crushing loss to Ewan Thomas in the Celebrity series. The Hunters already have air support with Jordan over the Isle of Wight, as two boats containing the 11 fugitives are sailing towards it. And I'll also point out that until this point, they've had to stay on the mainland. They've not been allowed to go to any sort of island, whether that be the Isle of Wight, the Isle of Man, or indeed Northern Ireland. Yeah, so does that mean they could go back to an island, do we think? I'm not sure why you would, but... I also have to say, the Isle of Wight is a horrible place for them to start. Yeah, um, but then, yeah, I I have many views on why this was just a a weird decision to make. I think so too. I just, it, just why would you put them on an island? Yeah, first of all, they can get caught a lot easier. However, what's the point of them trying to scramble off the island back to the mainland straight away? It just seems strange. Yeah, apart from you've got some nice footage of them going across the sea and, and the, the needles and stuff. But yeah, it was just, it felt a bit stunty, but then it didn't really pay off. And it's also only 23 days on the run this time. Presumably yeah. due to COVID, but it's been slowly ticking down over the series. Obviously, we started at 28, uh, then it went down to 25, and now we are only down to 23, which is the lowest it's been outside of a celeb series. Yeah, strange that, isn't it? And it's an odd number. I, I was wondering if that was decided after they'd filmed, if that makes sense. If maybe they got to some point and they were like, we've got to wrap up. Just because it's, num- it's not a number you would land on, is it? Oh, let's, let's pick for 23 days. It's just... Seems a bit of a strange decision. No, my thinking on it is potentially they said you have to be available for this four-week block, but also due to COVID, you've got to isolate for five days, well, which yeah, then possibly. obviously leaves us with 23. That's yeah, my, yeah. my assumption on it. Mm. Yeah, that's a good shout. It was strange seeing, um, as in a lot of the reality shows currently, seeing the masks at the terminal. Just It's mm. just weird to see it in Hunted. Especially coming off the back of just doing Belgian Mole, which is quite famous for deliberately trying to avoid any sort of reference to it being filmed during COVID times. Mm-hmm. In fact, their series in Germany, they deliberately set out to minimise the references. I think we got three in total in the entire series of, mm. oh, this was filmed during Corona, deliberately, because they don't want to depress people and remind mm. them of the shit situation that was happening at the time. Yeah, and it also dates it, doesn't it? it- Oh, yeah. Uh, so we begin with being introduced to Shobro and Amarinda, who are a mother-son from South End. He says he hasn't seen much of England, so he's worried, but he did get an A at A-level in geography. 
Yeah, and, and that, you know, plays out through the episode. He clearly knows his stuff. <laughs> Jesus. I love them, but they are getting caught so quickly. Oh, yeah. totally. They are lovely, but, but clearly useless. He already follows us on Instagram, can I find out? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> then it's Abby and Grace, who are sisters from Hampshire. Grace is very organised and not good at doing things without planning them, which is why she went on a show that requires those skills. <laughs> And I love that in HQ they're like, we think they might be sisters, really. <laughs> what was it that gave it away? Was, was it the same surname or the fact that they look almost like twins? <laughs> and then there's a subtle moment that I want to know whether you guys picked up on, because I think Lisa's already been around Dr. Steve Hersey, assistant to the chief, a bit too long. Because she asked for a ring of steel around the Solent. Yes, I did notice that. <laughs> I didn't. It's Solent. Everybody knows it's Solent. <laughs> Even though I think this was filmed before the Celeb series, she's still been around Dr. Steve Hersey, assistant to the chief, for far too long already. <laughs> He's rubbing off on her. He's going to send her to Doveridge next. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> and in a brilliant editing moment, the music then fades away for Nathan and James. They are best friends from Castleford and are both profoundly deaf. And neither of them are taking their cochlear implants with them, but they say they will do anything to make the hunters look foolish. Yeah, I think they will fulfill that promise oh god they're so good they are great uh the weather on the isle of Wight is particularly grim shocking <laughs> sorry i seem i seem to be full of energy this evening <laughs> you are you're very you're, you're very energetic <laughs> <laughs> okay continue lisa tells jordan to pick the weakest ones and stay with them so obviously he targets amarinda and shoba the fugitives have had no information about where they've landed or had any chance to plan a getaway. Then we get the second coming of Jamie in Sarah from Galston. She's ex-military and now a police officer and definitely going to be a target as soon as hunters realise that. Yeah, she's going to go a long way, I think. Mm. My suspicion is she's going to get to about episode four, which is where Jamie got and then get everything targeted at her. Yeah, I didn't get vibes that she was going to make it to the end, but... I think she'll do pretty well. Yeah, she's going to do really well, but everyone will be targeting her as soon as they get a sniff of her being around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no way that, given HQ's professional pride, that they will let her get anywhere near that end. Then we get the Welsh version of Bonnie and Clyde, Myrig and Eleanor, who are a couple from Swansea. Jordan picks up on her being weak already because she throws up almost immediately. <laughs> I like these two. I like them. I like them. They're a little bit inept. Oh, well, they made some good moves, to be fair. Um, I got real Dan and Haley vibes off them. I thought, oh, I like these. They're, they're probably going to do all right. And obviously that isn't the case, but they were good. My gut is that she is definitely a fan of the show. Oh, definitely. Because she does an eyes on. Yes. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> yeah. They seem perfectly lovely people. But as they say, when both of them get captured in the end, they're just not cut out to be another run. No, uh, it, it's annoying because they got caught due to classic error, um, mm. and and they'd done some good stuff leading up to it. But yeah, yeah well. So Jordan sticks with Shower and Amarinda. Lisa wants them captured by the end of the day, and Ray already takes the piss out of him for choosing to go on the run with his mum. She wants to do something exciting for herself after forty years of just being mum. Yeah, uh, I like her. With the new additions to HQ. Have you noticed a bit of a tonal shift? In what way? Well, by that I mean, as a general rule in the previous five series when we've done them, it's always been sort of acceptable to slightly root for the Hunters because they're nice people and they're just kind of doing their jobs. Mm. The new iteration of HQ is a little bit more antagonistic and a little bit more moustache twirling. Yeah, yeah, particularly Lisa and Ray. Um, They're downright antagonistic when they catch people which isn't necessarily the tone of the show that we're used to. And I think that might might be a reason why people are slightly turned off by Lisa as the chief. She's a, a lot more actively antagonistic than a Blex or a Sherlock. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up some choice quotes. Blex and Sherlock never downright insulted people when they'd already been caught. They never kicked them when they're down. 
in the same way that Lisa did during the Celebrity Series, and Lisa does when she catches Myrigan, Eleanor in the end. Mm. Okay. It's a definite tonal shift, for me at least. Casey and Liam are the last couple, they're a couple from Sheffield and love doing adventurous things, and they're definitely going to get engaged by the end of the series. Oh yeah. <laughs> After my pull it out of my arse guess last series, I'm just going for every single potential couple to get engaged, just so I'm right at the end. <laughs> Nathan and James then try and hire a boat at a private marina, but the weather is just far too grim. Amarinda and Shoba get a car and manage to lose Jordan. Their drivers suggest that they take the hovercraft rather than the ferry. Abby and Grace also get that suggestion. Katie and Liam are first to arrive, with Shoba and Amarinda and Grace and Abby not far behind. And the hovercraft is delayed by half an hour. I loved uh, Amarinda's demonstration of his great geography knowledge by not knowing that cows is a place, not a reference to cattle. Yeah, and then we also get the the cemetery. Oh, lovely scenery. <laughs> Reference a little bit later in the episode as well. I hope they go further than I suspect they will, because I think there's going to be some good comedy moments from these two. Yeah. He's reasonably well known. He's been on Lorraine a lot. I did a little bit of research on him. He's He's kind of the go-to talking head when it comes to dentistry or aesthetics in the sort of This Morning or Lorraine style magazine program. Okay. From what I can see. I should then get the CCTV from the Hovercraft Terminal and HQ spot three teams there. John and Nicola arrive at the Hovercraft Terminal, but as we always say, unless they're in the same shot, they're not there at the same time. Yeah, and, and this is where I have major issues, right? So <laughs> they've got helicopter coverage. They know they're on the island. They also know, by implication, they're going to be getting off the island. Why would you try and chase someone onto an island that someone is about to leave, wasting Mm. a good hour minimum, depending on the time of the ferry that they caught, when you could just deploy ground teams to every possible port on the mainland and just wait and scoop them up? Exactly. There's four main places that they can dock, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, the, you've got Southampton, Portsmouth, um, South Sea, I think is where the hovercraft terminal is. There's not many places they're going to end up on the mainland, and you know they're going to get off the island. So it was just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder whether they were told they weren't allowed to do that. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's mildly entertaining footage, but... You know, there's a couple of timestamps that show you that they were at least an hour behind them. Yeah, there was no chance anyone was getting caught on the Isle of Wight because it would have been far too obvious. Yeah, Mm. which again makes it, you know, they've done the whole thing just so they can get some nice shots of the ribs and and the island. But yeah, I just don't think it's panned out the way it probably should have done. So the three teams who arrive by Hovercraft all then hire cabs or contact friends. And then Doug gets the revelation of the series so far by finding out that Sarah is a serving police officer and did two tours of duty in the army. <laughs> they say that she could be one to watch. Dr. Donna, stating the obvious as always, says she won't panic being stuck in the out. You need to be an eminent psychologist to figure this kind of stuff out, right? Do you think that they've limited Dr. Donna's edit because they know how Michelle will react? <laughs> I don't look. I don't, because I think, oh, she came on and I'm like, oh, there she is. Um, but then she was fine. She's totally fine. And then I think, you know, the chief has superseded Donna. I think Donna's home and host. I don't think she's going to cause me any problems. <laughs> oh, seriously. I don't know whether this came up before where you're talking about, but I know they were in HQ and uh, Mark came up to her and said, oh, look, Murrigan um, and Eleanor have been very much off grid. And we go to the chief and she just says, find them. Like there's, there's, there's no like, oh, where do you think they're going to be? Or yeah, yeah, maybe we'll wait a few more hours, see if something happens. Just find them. Like it, it's just like having a boss who tells you to do something utterly ridiculous with no thought about what you've just said. <laughs> Continue. She is what we call in the corporate world a bit of a JFDI boss. Yeah. <laughs> and what's a foot ferry? Someone was saying, let's get on the foot ferry. Yes. Some ferries you can drive over, but there are like smaller ones where you just walk on and walk off again, or you can like cycle or whatever. Ah, okay. 
Sarah then befriends some girls and tries to blend in to throw off the hunters on the catamaran. And she says that bullshit baffles brains. Hmm. I had to rewind that. I didn't understand what she said. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a phrase. So what you're saying is Sarah's phrase about bullshit baffling brains baffled your brain? <laughs> it's like, what the hell did she just it, say? Because it was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Myra and Eleanor then convince the builders to let them hide in his van on the ferry, and I'm pretty sure that that is people smuggling. Well, is it though? Because you're not actually crossing a border, are you? So is it is it illegal to sit in the back of someone's van and go from one town to another? Probably not. I think from a capacity point of view, it's probably frowned upon. By oh, the yeah, group. yeah. They, I mean, they probably didn't buy tickets and stuff like that. That's more of a, an issue of evading payment. But uh, I, don't, I don't think it has any immigration issues because there's no passport control. There's no border. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure the the uh, ferry companies wouldn't have been particularly happy with that idea. No, but I suspect in reality they got permission to do it. Yeah, of course it did. And the hunters then realise that Nathan and James are both deaf and using BSL, and no one in HQ can understand BSL. No, uh, well, you know, which is to be expected. That That is going to be an issue for them, isn't it? Because every yes. time they get picked up on CCTV, they've effectively got the, the version of an audio track instead of just pictures. So that could be a problem. I wonder if they'll... F- figure that out and do something about it. I don't know what they can do other than having a, an interpreter on file. Mm. It's one of those loopholes that I think production probably came up with to go, oh, this will challenge them. And then that loophole will get closed next series. I was thinking more from James and Nathan's perspective, you know, will, will they realise that they're pretty much giving away their conversations and, you know, maybe look for cameras and turn their back or something? Yeah. Or, or even better have fake conversations that they know are on CCTV. That would be awesome. Because I'm quite surprised nobody's come up with the idea of using BSL before, even if they're not deaf. No, or or any kind of code, really. We've not had much of that at all. So James was born being able to hear, but lost his hearing a couple of days later. Nathan contracted meningitis at the age of two, and the only consequence was that he lost his hearing. They managed to convince a girl in a cafe to book a taxi for them to Cheltenham. We see the first bit here of them struggling to get people to communicate with them when they don't understand them saying Cheltenham. Yeah, I was more disappointed that people wouldn't give them lifts, and the implication was because they were deaf. I don't know. I don't yeah. know whether that is. You know, it just felt like they were like, "Oh no," it's that whole people being different thing that really annoys me. Mm. I'm assuming as well that they're camera woman, I think it's the woman who's with them. I'm assuming their camera woman speaks BSL. Mm. I don't know. I mean, to be fair, they're, they're pretty... They're, their communication is, is absolutely clear. You know, there's and, and, and they must both be able to lip-read. I think from a comfort point of view, production probably would have made sure that their person on site, because I, I think the cameraman and um, producer is basically the same person for the fugitive teams. I think from a comfort point of view, they probably would have tried to make sure that she speaks BSL. Yeah, I mean, if they have, that's brilliant. That's really good. Because HQ don't need someone who speaks BSL, because obviously that gives them a bit more of a challenge. But I think just from a safety point of view, they probably want someone who will definitely be able to understand them at all times. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there might be... Uh, from a juicy yeah, care right. point of view, juicy I think, care, I think yeah. they probably need someone who Nathan and James definitely will be able to communicate with. The complicating factor could be if they split up. Yeah. Because it's not out of the question. We get a lot of content in these first two episodes of Nathan and James going, oh, we're inseparable. And usually when you see a, oh, we're inseparable confessional, they end up splitting up by the end of the series. That would be so hard for them. Mm, It would. I'm just saying, if you put a gun to my head and said, one of these teams is going to split up by the end of the series and go it alone for a few days, who would it be? I would probably put my money on Nathan James. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Amarinda and Chobra are hiding in their friend Jamie's house in Haven't. He has dash hunts. <laughs> Cute! I thought that was going to be the photo, the, the banner, because no. they're both sitting there patting dash hounds. I mean, seriously. So cute. <laughs> you can't tempt me with Nathan and James giving the hunters the finger and not expect it to be the banner. 
No, well, they could have done they could have done episode two with the finger, and <laughs> they've done it twice now. There was zero expectation that it would be anything other than that when Michael said, guess what the banner is. Like, I hadn't even watched all of the episode when I got to that scene. I'm yeah. like, that's the banner. <laughs> and you got a message saying, oh, am I really that predictable? Banner. <laughs> yes. yes. If I would have seen it, I don't know why I missed it. I remember them carving into the tree and then, I don't know, I must have looked away for that second they did that. Yeah, but otherwise... <laughs> Right after that banner was taken, you get the caption of "fuck the hunters." <laughs> hmm. Um, when the when they were talking about Amarinda and the the chief was there, this is another chief thing. There was a photo they were looking at him on social media, and, and she said, "He looks like a bell end." <laughs> Isn't that lovely. She's not a very fun person because he was doing all this fun stuff. He was dancing. He was singing he was doing these these funny things to the camera and all she can say is he looks like a bell end i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry she's not my kind of person at all the best thing about that entire scene is even dr donna thinks she went too far she tells her to be careful not to dismiss him mm. thanks dr donna it's the passing of the baton scene <laughs> dr yeah. donna going i am no longer michelle's least favorite <laughs> Dr. Donna walked so Lisa could run. <laughs> so they get a sighting of Jamie's car. Mark says the question is whether they'd be stupid enough to use a local known associate on day one. Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, this this is just such a bad move. It's ridiculous. Race sends Paul and Faye to drive past Jamie's house and see if there's a car there. Jamie has already moved it. And they leave in a BMW that the hunters don't know about that belongs to his lodger. And I'm going to put put this out now. Friends of fugitives, take the battery out of your ring doorbell, please. <laughs> For the love of everything holy. Although it does lead to a very fun moment in episode two. Um, I think I think the chief talks about um, them again there, and I think she's got the words wrong because in Australia we say it a different way. You tell me if it's English. They don't come across as the sharpest tools in the box. Mm-hmm. Do you say box or do you say shed? Now we say box. Box. Well, that's different. We say sharpest tools in the shed. So Nathan and James carve fuck hunters into a tree in Wiltshire. They want to keep heading north to the deaf community and to their home life. And the BSL translator that HQ call in tells them that they were trying to head north. Paul and Faye then interrogate Jamie. They get the videos from his doorbell. And he says he's transported them to Alison Smith's house. And he inexplicably told them the truth. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. What <laughs> the hell? Sounds like such a generic name and he did actually tell them the truth. Oh. Yep. Jamie tells Allison that the hunters aren't far behind, and Amarinda ends the second part by saying he's shitting it. They move again from Portsmouth to Birmingham. Sure hope the hunters aren't tracing the car was my next note. And then immediately afterwards we see that Carl and Mel check Allison and Dan's house out, and they find that Dan has a twenty twenty Kia Stinger, therefore telematics, which allows them to track the car. Yep. <laughs> they get to their cousin's house, who we never hear named, and almost immediately they want to leave again. And Doug, in his new role as head of cyber intelligence, uses the electoral role to identify the cousin, and they got 23 mutual friends with him. Yeah, good bit of work from Doug there. Was Doug always head of cyber intelligence? I don't think he was. I, don't, I think he was, he was just an analyst, I think, originally. Yeah, I think he's been promoted for this series, in which case, go on, Doug. Doug for chief. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly assuming the throne. Well, when Doug came on, I, I actually wrote, Doug! <laughs> <laughs> I was very, very tempted to do my usual joke of tweeting out a fake banner that it just is Doug. First episode of every series. <laughs> I love doing it just because it annoys Doug. There's a scene later, I can't remember if it's in this episode or episode two, where it's just Doug and Steve, and I'm just sitting there going, I'm so proud. <laughs> my two people. Yeah, these are our boys. We're like proud parents. <laughs> so Paul and Faye have eyes on the front of the house. Lisa's anticipating the first capture already. However, the next door neighbor's son reveals that they've already left in another car. And this is the bit where we see Amarinda mistake a cemetery for the countryside. <laughs> I love him. I, I love him, but he's just so inept. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's definitely going to be a friend of the podcast. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's a great character, as I say. 
I want them to go further than they inevitably will. But if he lasts longer than tomorrow's episode, I will be very surprised. Very. So Myrig and Eleanor have returned to Wales with some very fat sheep, and they've spent the last three days wild camping, and for some reason we get a prolonged close-up of some enlarged testicles. Yes! I was like, what the hell? Why? I don't know. <laughs> it's so unnecessary. <laughs> what camera guy was on that and why, which editor decided to keep it in? What was your B-roll requirement? Was it specifically <laughs> sheep testicles? Maybe they just said, oh, while, while you're out in the wilds, just just get some bollocks. Don't bother. They're so close up. And they just were still there. They like didn't go anywhere. It wasn't just a quick grab on the screen. It was like, they're still there. <laughs> <laughs> Something I did spot as well that wasn't alluded to in the episode is they went and picked their bags up. Because the rules of this series is that they were dropped off with just a change of clothes and some money. Yes. Marig and Eleanor had definitely picked up their bags by the time they were wild camping here. Oh yeah, good point. Because at one point we see him carrying a rucksack with two sleeping mats, I think it is, on it. And one of them has her surname on it. And it's a much bigger bag than he left the Isle of Light with. Ooh. Where were the bags? Where are these people getting their bags from? Presumably from their homes. Ooh. Well, that's weird, because the hunters, all they have to do is stay at their homes then. Well, exactly. That's that's kind of my assumption as to why they uh, why they had to be dropped off with only a change of clothes, because it then means that they have to go home quickly, and it gives the hunters a chance to actually catch up with them quickly. It's not fair. That's not on. One thing I will say is we never see Nathan and James with their backs. No. Nathan and James are, I think, the only team who, so far, we have not seen with their backs. They have not been home. Marig says that he developed blood clots on his lungs thanks to COVID, so even if we didn't have the mask in this episode, I think we probably would have been able to date this series they've yeah. been together for nearly five years and definitely won't be engaged soon <laughs> hmm. if they'd got to the end they definitely would have been getting engaged in a Dan and Haley style and in fact, this past week, Dan and Haley did get married Hey, because yeah. Haley's now changed her Instagram name he says going on the run is to prove to himself that he can still do it and that he's not ill and that HQ aren't going to touch them. Sadly for him, by the end of the first part of the next episode, HQ are going to touch both of them. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. Um, from from their edit, I thought, oh, these might have a good chance. Yeah. And then they go and do something stupid. <laughs> they didn't collect any food, which is a rookie error. And as a result, are going to have to get something to eat and risk it with the hunters finding them. Uh oh. <laughs> we then cut to Nathan and James washing their clothes in a bathroom in Cheshire. They were last seen in the car park asking to head north, and Nathan turns the shower on while James is washing his pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an unnecessary thing to do and show us. Yeah. Like the sheep. Yeah. Casey and Liam are in Yorkshire somewhere, they don't specify where. And Liam draws a picture of a hunter on a whiteboard, looking like a clown. Abby and Grace are in a wood in Cheshire, pretending to do a nature documentary. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird segment. But not as fun as Sarah's one. She's in the Midlands somewhere, not specific. In a camper van, she says she knows she'll be targeted by the HQ quickly, and she sings along to Destiny's Child's Survivor. Where did she get the van? That is the question, because it looked like a camper van to me from the camera angle. Yeah, it looked to me like a, a Ford Transit conversion. I think it's been converted to a camper van, which just, like, has she borrowed it? Has she hired it? Where's this come from? Because if she's got something she can drive and sleep in, she's made it. <laughs> yeah. As I said on Twitter when I was doing the quick cheat sheet on who each person was, I'm not making any jokes about Sarah because I'm genuinely a little bit terrified of her. <laughs> but she is so cool. She's very cool. Very calm. She knows what she's doing. I suspect she is going to get caught, but it's not going to be because she's made a catastrophic error. I think the hunters are going to get lucky. It's going to be a Jamie-style thing where mm. she taunts them a little bit and it ends up putting them on her trail. And she's like, yeah. oh yeah, you caught me. Mea culpa. Lisa says that the rest aren't a challenge, but Sarah is. Yeah, but why would she say that? Has she watched the other series? I don't know. 
I think if she'd watched the other series, she probably wouldn't have gone in as aggressive when she catches people and when she does the traditional chief chat with people. Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, that you know, the, the production are going to dictate what the tone is, and you know, they want they obviously cast her because they want her to be that kind of character, I guess. Yeah, I think it's just a little bit more nakedly antagonistic from HQ under Lisa's chiefdom rather mm. than Lex and Sherlock, who were both a little bit more playful. Yeah. If people did fun things, then Lex and Sherlock kind of gave them a bit of credit for it rather than just trying to come up with some sort of bitchy line about people. <laughs> yeah. Marig uses Eleanor's card to withdraw money and get food, and then they escape in a local resident's car. They weren't planning on doing it, but plans need to change on the run. Sadly for them, Ashley identifies an AMPR camera a minute away from Eleanor's card being used, potentially to identify a getaway car. Seven cars pass the camera, but only one belongs to a local resident, and he made a very suspicious journey, which puts them on Myrig and Eleanor's trail. Yeah, a little bit unfortunate there. They hike for ten miles to Abadovi, and have negotiated a free room at a B&B, the Dovey Inn, and there is a bath, and it's lush. <laughs> I was yeah. so hoping that Dr. Steve would would pronounce it Abadovi. <laughs> I may or may not have written it down as Abadoveridge in, <laughs> in Steve Hersey's honour. I don't know how to spell that. I spelled it A-B-E-R-D-U-B-B-Y, Dubby? Yeah, it's the Welsh spelling. I'm like, what is that? Are there <laughs> many things like there's, you know, there's Aberdeen, yeah. Abadubby. Are there more Abbas? Yeah, there's lots of Abbas. It, uh, it means bridge. So in most that. cases, in most cases, the town name will be Bridge Over the River, whatever the river is, and that's the name of the town. So you've got um, Swansea in Welsh is called Abertawy, which is Bridge Over the River Tawy. Look at you, Mister Quizzer. Okay. Yeah, uh, but Welsh is a weird language, Michelle. It's just very hard to uh, read or pronounce. No, but that that word in itself, Abertawy, is very. Aussie in that, you know, we have some weird place names. And that just sounded so ridiculous that I thought, oh, well, that fits right right yeah. in here in Australia. Yeah. Mark's gut instinct takes his suspicions to Abu Dhabi at the end of a hiking trail, and Jordan and Nicola are sent out, as are Paul and Faye. The hotel manager gets a tip-off that the hunters are just down the road, but he's trying to arrange the getaway of Myrig and Eleanor. Their chef is in a Mazda waiting to take them to the neighbouring town where another driver will meet them. And they spot the hunters and Eleanor wins my heart already by saying, there they are, eyes on, eyes on. <laughs> Sadly for them, the CCTV does capture them getting into the Mazda. He tells them to wait in the car so no one can see them. And then Lindsay traces a call from the Dovey Inn to find another getaway driver called Patrick. Eleanor asks him to turn his phone location off as sometimes they can trace that. The bastards. <laughs> He turns his phone off entirely, and they're heading to Myrig's sister's farm in Brecon. Yeah, because worrying about the phone location is the biggest worry when you're driving to your sister's house. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even the sister's house thing. The sister's house is kind of understandable because obviously it's on loads of land and they can hide out there. It's the sitting in front of the front gate of the sister's house that's the problem. Like, if Georgina and JP had driven up to that location and had us a quick look around... If they were hiding, they would have been absolutely fine. They would have seen them from a vantage point. But no, they sit on the gravel right behind the gate. (laughs) What the hell, guys? Never, ever go to somebody that close to you. It's just too easy. Three teams of hunters, including the miserable detective from the highest ascent, surround the property. Eleanor says she thinks they're fine. They are not. Georgina and JP pull in and see them on the grass. And Eleanor already gets caught, becoming the first person since Carlene to get caught in episode one. Traditionally, episode one is a non-elimination episode, but they couldn't even skirt around it this time. They had to just let Eleanor get caught. And that is the end of episode one. Yeah. It was an interesting point to end it, wasn't it? It was, because we all knew that Myrig was going to get caught. Yeah, I felt like, I think they probably should have put Eleanor's capture in episode two. Yeah, because traditionally what they do is someone gets caught right at the start of episode two, but it's mm. there's kind of a cliffhanger before that, so you cut it off with Georgina and JP pulling in, I think. Yeah, that would make yeah. much more sense. 
Because there was, the, uh, I suppose, the fact that they were, the episodes were twenty four hours apart. Although they might not have known that when they were editing, but it, it wasn't much tension, really. There wasn't much of a cliffhanger. It was like, oh, oh so Myrig's getting caught at the beginning of the next episode, then. Yeah. I mean, I noted down my winners so far at the end of this episode, and it was Nathan and James, Grace and Abby and Katie and Liam. Sarah's going to be targeted for being ex-military and a current cop. And Miranda and Shelby will have a sad exit, and Myrig is absolutely screwed after this episode already. Yeah. And what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> so we begin episode two, five days into the hunt, with a reminder of Georgina and JP chasing Eleanor down, and Myrig still running and vaulting fences. Lisa tells him to get the drone up to smoke him out, and they see him head back down the road. Jordan tells Nicholas to run back down the hill to cut him off, and it is JP who gets the capture, with a slight butchering of the catchphrase. But I'm going <laughs> to let him off because he is new to it. It wasn't too bad, was it? And to be fair, in the heist, they didn't catch that many people, so he didn't have much practice on it. <laughs> I love making heist jokes, because we never got to do them. <laughs> we then get our traditional Lisa being a cow to people who've already been caught scene. She tells them they need to rely on much more than just their looks. It's a little bit personal for me. It is, and it's not based on anything, is it? Because that's not what they've done. They, they, you know, they actually, apart from what got them caught, they've made some really good moves. Yeah, I don't want to become a Michelle and harp on it too much about Lisa being horrible, but I made this point during Celebrity Hunted, and she's a little bit more toned down in the civilian series, which probably isn't accidental. But every time she's confronted with a captured team, she just goes a little bit below the belt, mm. which is my biggest problem, I think. She basically just gives them a, uh, a nut punch, which she doesn't need to do. They're already annoyed that they've been caught, and they're disappointed that they've not got a chance to have a share of a hundred grand. You don't need to then kick them while they're down. And I, I don't think at this point she's got the nuance of those scenes like Blex and Sherlock both did. Because no. Blex and Sherlock both did slightly insult people as they caught them, but they never went below the belt on it. And Ray gets smug and says they've been taken out by a better team, which is downright antagonistic. <laughs> I like Ray, but it's a it's a little bit antagonistic that. <laughs> These are the sort of scenes that you see and you immediately go, yeah, someone's escaping then. Oh, definitely. It's not. It's no chance it's a clean sweep. No. If HQ's edit was toned down a little bit, I'd think someone's not escaping, but someone's going to win the money. Definitely. Definitely. Is um, Ray from the heist? Yes. Yeah. He was a deputy, I think, in the heist. Yeah, he was, I think. It was him and the Cigars and Croissants woman, Keely. I think mm-hmm. who were the uh, who were the deputies. That's okay. right. But even Sue in in the heist was never downright antagonistic like Lisa is. Yeah. So the other nine fugitives are spread out over the UK. Nathan and James have disappeared. Everyone sees them as a married couple, but Nathan is a housewife because James does fuck all at home. <laughs> I do like these two. Mm-hmm. They're just definitely our sense of humour. Yeah. Doug has access to Katie and Liam's phones. He wants to find everything that they deleted. And we pick up with them as they're trying to tour inappropriate place names. They're currently in Bitchfield trying to get a tent and some sleeping bags. <laughs> that's really good. I really like that. <laughs> the ironic thing is, Bitchfield is not that far from where my parents were a few weeks ago. They went to Burton Coggles, which uh, okay. you can see on the sign. It's only yeah. a mile and a half from Bitchfield. <laughs> what did you say the next place is called? Burton Coggles. Burton Coggles. Yeah. <laughs> How English countryside is that, Michelle? <laughs> in the Bitchfield scene, you actually see it on the uh, on the directional sign that it's a mile and a half away. God, what a great name! It is a great name. Mum and Dad only went there because it's a great name for the record. <laughs> it's so weird. Abby and Grace haven't been seen since they boarded the hovercraft, and they have no idea of their cardinal directions. Sarah was caught taking money out on CCTV, but she's looking over the road on higher ground. Shoba and Amarinda haven't been seen since they were in West Brom. They're now in Tipton, being driven to their close relative Anil's house. Why are they so vague on the relationships of everyone to Shoba and Amarinda as well? Because we don't hear their cousin's name, and then we just get close relative Anil, rather than specify. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's fairly common for Indian families to have quite a big extended family. So it, it, it could well be that the actual relationship is quite complicated. It could be like a second cousin by marriage or something. You know, just like, yeah, it's relative. <laughs> I'll be. 
Amarinda says his favourite game is hide and seek, and he now gets to play it on a big scale. <laughs> yeah. And they swap cars at Anil's to try and put the hunters off, but first they need to get rid of some stuff, and there is an extended unpacking scene, like it's an early season of Mole. <laughs> I should get CCTV of them heading into the Grey Sayat about 30 to 40 minutes before the hunters arrived, and Paul and Faye are sent to Anil's house to see if they're still there. This is the worst cliffhanger they have ever done because the weather betrays them. Yeah, it's clearly miles apart, isn't it? It's clearly rained. <laughs> and the cliffhanger is Paul having the suspected sighting. Obviously, they're nowhere nearby, but they do get to speak to a nil. In, oh, it might be my scene in the first two episodes, actually. <laughs> He's yep. good, isn't he? He's good. His doorbell camera catches him out. He looks like a kid who has been caught out. He can't remember where he dropped him off, but there were trees. <laughs> and her, the hunted, what's her name? Faye. Faye, oh my god, Faye's face. Feels like ready to <laughs> go him. She is so done with his shit already. <laughs> I really like Faye. <laughs> and he claims that they brought air rifles, bags, and mouse traps with them. Oh my <laughs> we'll god, and he was so deadpan. I laughed out loud because it was just so unexpected compared to Jamie from the last episode. It just gave them away. I thought it was great. He's just a delight. <laughs> Lisa says Katie and Liam are a strong pair. They haven't had any sightings since day one. Dr. Steve Hersey, assistant to the chief, analyzes their social media and sees that they're adventure tourists, having been to Chernobyl for Katie's 30th birthday. What is that? Oh, can we go to Chernobyl for my 30th? Sure, love. Let's go. They didn't specify in the episode that it was her 30th birthday, but it is because it came up in their bios. They went to Chernobyl for her 30th birthday. This is such a bizarre cast, isn't it? (laughs) It's brilliant. I think it's one of the best casts we've had, actually. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely got the casting right. Given that this is the first series to air in two years, the first one to properly actually be run in about three, this is a great cast. And it's also worth pointing out they are filming Series 7 very soon. Yeah. It's meant to be sort of in the next couple of months, I think. Steve suspects that they might be doing some urban exploration while on the run and investigates the nerd forums. (laughs) Because he's already got logins. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) This is a very interesting thing because I suspect that Katie and Liam probably said in their application, oh yeah, if we get on, we're going to be doing some urban exploration. And Steve's just kind of made the link from that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's a good move. I've never heard of urban explorers. They usually end up getting banned from places or arrested. I'm wondering if they're Australian. I'm going to Google when I finish this and see if there is actually an Australian group of urban explorers. There is a rather infamous urban exploration that happened uh, in Australia, actually, which was the old Big Brother house at Dreamworld. Oh, how do you know about this? Because some kids broke in to have a look and accidentally set a fire. Yeah, but that's just, that's not urban exploring. That's just being delinquent. I think they were urban exploring as well. Oh, okay. But also there's a lot of urban exploration that's happened at like Disney World for um, closed water parks and stuff. And people have been getting very much banned from Disney property for doing that and those sort of things. Interesting. So they are camping in Woodlands in Lincolnshire. There's a brilliant editor's joke with Liam pretending the tent pole is a magic wand and then they immediately cut to the tent being built. Yeah, that was so cute. I really like that. <laughs> I love it when the editors lean into this stuff rather than, you know, showing us sheep testicles. <laughs> Liam's a plumber by trade, but more of a bathroom fitter. And Katie kills a fly during their interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight out of the air. Amazing. She Mr. Miyagi's it. <laughs> And they visit an abandoned airfield near their campsite and say the hunters won't find them there. And then we move back to Nathan and James. Lindsay investigates their network because they won't communicate in the ordinary way because they are deaf. Sophia cracks Nathan's computer and sees that he cracked it first and shows them a picture of their crack as his wallpaper. <laughs> Good on him. However, here comes the chief again, looking at the picture, saying... He's got a spotty and hairy ass. Such a nice lady. So lovely. Hmm, love her. I just think she can't let people have their moments. Like, seriously. 
don't all guys have a hairy ass? <laughs> like, what is she pointing out that's new and unusual except just being mean and awful? Imagine Flex or Sherlock reacting to that. I don't know. They would have, would have had a smirk, maybe tried not to smile. And they would have said something, but they wouldn't have said anything nasty. Yeah, Flex would have rolled his eyes and gone, yeah, you've got us. Let's, yeah. let's you know, use this as motivation. Yeah. Neither of them would have pointed out his spotty ass. No, they'd have been like, oh, nice one, boys. James apparently said that Southerners are boring. They rely a lot on each other, which could be a problem if they split. <laughs> which they are going to do. There's so many hints in these first two episodes that they're going to split up. So many. They are in Chesterfield visiting their interpreter, Debbie, who HQ have already put on call intercept. They sign in the taxi so that the driver doesn't know anything, which is a clever move. Mm. They want to taunt the hunters by drawing them to her house. A lot of people think that deaf people are just dumb, so they want to prove they're not and outsmart the hunters. Winner quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, big neon flashing sign going these guys are making it to the end she orders a takeaway for collection which is suspicious HQ get the recording with the boys speaking in the background I hate it when stuff like that happens when it's a team you like you're like no come on think think McFly think this is (laughs) genuinely tense this entire Nathan and James scene even though I knew that they couldn't have got caught it's genuinely tense hmm Sophia also spots that she ordered Dr. Pepper, which James is obsessed with. JP and Georgina are sent out to investigate Debbie's house, as literally no other ground hunters exist this series. <laughs> clearly, clearly not. I was expecting a little product placement thing to come up with the whole Dr. Pepper stuff. <laughs> they are only 22 minutes away, but there is no backup available. The boys post an old video from Debbie's house, giving the hunters a ping, leading them to Debbie. However, they are unaware that the hunters are much closer than they think, and already on their way. Yeah, I like taunting the hunters, but there's a time and place. And I think I think they've gone a little bit too soon there. I think Nathan and James are going to do that every single episode, being perfectly yeah, honest, just course, constantly course. taunt the hunters. Because it seems to be their MO is to let the hunters get close and then outsmart them. There's one in the pre-episode thing from episode one that definitely shows them doing something, which I'm very excited to see what they're going to actually get away with there. Mm-hmm. Debbie has arranged for Nathan and James to make their getaway with a neighbour who lives 50 metres away, and they see the hunters across the road and watch them from the upper window in the bathroom whilst also swearing at them. (laughs) JP and Georgina search the house, but all they find is takeaway remnants, and Ray tells JP to search the neighbours' houses. Thankfully, James spots it and tells Nathan not to head to the car. I got really confused with this scene. Were they searching the house they were in? No. They were searching her house. Right. I must have missed, like, just a split second that I got confused about which house they were actually in. They searched Debbie's house and then knocked on the neighbours' doors. But I don't think they knocked on the neighbour who Nathan and James were hiding in. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's my interpretation of it. I think they only knocked on the closest neighbours' doors. Yeah. Because they were trying... They weren't necessarily trying to find Nathan and James, although they were. They were trying to get a hint of where Nathan and James had gone. Yeah, 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 because they had no suspicion they were there yet. No, no, so, okay. so Ray tells JP to search the neighbours' houses. Thankfully, James spots it. And as he knocks on doors, the boys sneak out into the car. And thankfully, they make their escape, leaving the hunters behind. One thing I will say about them filming during COVID, and it goes back to a point that people make all the times of, oh, can you not see the people with the massive fuck-off cameras? Can they not see people who have the plastic screens up in their cars? Because every single car that they get into has to have that Perspex screen attached to the, the headdress, if you notice. Yeah, but but again, it's like they can't see the camera. You've got to be that close to see it. You've already caught them, right? Yeah, if, if JP and Georgina had looked at all the cars in the drives and then seen a Perspex screen, then I think it would have been a bit of an unfair advantage for them. Wait a minute, what are you talking about? Sorry, are you saying that any cars that they get into, they have to carry a piece of Perspex with them? If you watch out for any taxis or any people's cars that they get into, because of the COVID rules at the time, they have to have their Perspex divider up. Really? Yeah. And that works with every car. It can't possibly work with every car. 
Well, it, it will because of the magic of television, won't it? But um, they're not going to use it. And the, the, they can't because they can't mention it, can they? No, because they don't want to date the show apart from showing Myrig say he got COVID and has knackered lungs now. Yeah, but it, it's like a it's like a behind the curtain thing, right? Isn't it? You can't they can't point it out because what will happen is if somebody does get a lift from a stranger, they'll then have to pause, put the perspex screen in, get them back in the car, and then get going. They don't want to show that because that it's like breaking the fourth wall, isn't it? Yeah, I seem to remember during the celebrity series, Ewan did an interview where he said, "Yeah, the." Producer or whoever has to carry the person that's screwed around with them for when we get in cars. What? How is that possible? Like, if I talk about four friends who have cars, like some have the middle of the seats empty, the middle of the two front seats is is an empty space. No one's got a piece of perspex that can possibly fit every car. It's ridiculous. Why bother? So then we move to the final segment of the show of Katie and Liam and their adventures in an abandoned ski village. <laughs> Lisa, not allowing people to have their moments, says that Liam is punching. Maybe he's got a good personality. Doug spots that Liam has tried to remove all his WhatsApp data, but then botched it at the end. And there are two conversations that there shouldn't be still there. Very interesting that they're allowed to use WhatsApp. Yeah, I think because they're not allowed to use WhatsApp for calls. No, they're not. That was yeah, the Joe but, and Dan rule. Yeah, but I suspect for messages it's probably all right. Still. Yeah, I think they were specifically probably told they couldn't use it for voice chat because otherwise the hunters would immediately get their location because that was the ultimatum that Joe and Dan got. Yeah. They're in Anston and have been on the run for six days already. They've not married or got kids yet because they like adventure too much, but this will be their last big adventure because they're definitely going to get married and knocked up by the time that this airs. <laughs> they want to go off-grid using abandoned buildings and places that the hunters would never anticipate, and if they get to the end and win, will that be the decision point on when they're getting married? Yes. They're off to visit Liam's auntie Visha in Dronfield on the outskirts of Sheffield. They have, however, already contacted her, so there is a known link. Doug identifies one of the numbers of the two mystery conversations as being Visha, with a little bit of help from Dr. Steve Hersey, and she confirms that the hunters haven't been around yet. However, HQ spot that Visha received a call at 5.11pm on launch day from Portsmouth, which could have been them. They agree to put a covert sentry camera on Visha's house, and alert them to anyone entering or leaving the property, including Katie and Liam, who are already there. And in a throwback to the very early series, a mystery technician whose face we never see plants the camera. Mm-hmm. The next morning, they're walking to meet a friend who's taking them to the centre of Sheffield where they will be staying in an abandoned ski village. They're pits upon the camera at dead on 9am. Presumably, the start time of the hunt that day. Lisa sends a team who are already only half a mile away to grab them. It's yet again Georgina and JP because there is literally no other hunter team that is in this series. So weird. Katie worries that she's forgotten something, so they look through the bags on a field behind her house. And when Georgina and JP knock on the door, there is nobody home. Mark thinks that they've already got into a car or gone onto the fields. A neighbour snitches and says they've gone onto the fields with Georgina and JP right behind. However, the problem for them is that the field is very wide with lots of exits, so they can't find the fugitives. Lisa then asks for a list of potentially abandoned Sheffield sites. Dr. Steve Hersey then finds an underground place called the Sheffield Megatron, but it's all booked up. You definitely know that Dr. Steve Hersey has been to a rave at the Sheffield Megatron. Oh, totally. He's probably the DJ. <laughs> The abandoned ski village is identified as part of that list, and Ray finds the link on the Urban Exploration Forum 2. Three teams are sent in wearing plain clothes to blend in, as an abandoned ski slope. A drone and a sniffer dog are also sent out because they've got nothing better to do and want to throw everything at Katie and Liam. Katie and Liam are dropped off, and that's where the episode ends. Yeah, they're going to get away with that, aren't they, obviously? <sighs> I hope so. I like Katie and Liam. I want them to do very well. If the boys can't win, I probably want them to win, so... But I don't think they're going to decide to go anywhere else. I think they're quite happy with their decision. I think so too, but you've got to assume that they're they're warned that they're looking out for Land Rovers instead of Volvos this time. So as soon as they see an abandoned Land Rover, you get suspicious that the Hunters might be onto you. Because mm. there'll be at least one Land Rover there, if not about six. You think the Hunters are there before them? Yeah, 100%. Oh, okay. Hunters are definitely lying in wait for them. So next time, we have running, 
Sarah's Achilles heel is revealed, aka her children, unlike Michelle, and Amarinda and Shoba are caught on camera in a garden. I think that might not be the only time they get caught in the next episode. Do you think they're getting caught next week? Uh, if anyone gets caught this week, I think it's them. Yeah, so do I, to be honest. We've had catches in two episodes so far, so we could have one with no catches, but I think they're the next team to go. Yeah, the the other element of it is, of course, there is one more person this series than normal. There's 11 people this time, so they don't necessarily need to do a non-elimination episode unless they want to. Yeah, that's true. But um, I'm pretty confident at least one team's making it to the end. I suspect more than one team, actually. I think one will get captured next week. I think another team. Who do you think? Oh, look, I don't want mum and son to go, but they're drinking tea in the garden, for Christ's sake. I don't know. And <laughs> <laughs> Like, what happened to the other team who were having drinkies in the garden? They got caught. Yep. Uh, yeah. I really want Sarah to win. I'd like, I'd love Sarah to win. I'd, I, I would like her to win. I just don't think she will, um, based on the whole Jamie thing. There's something about plucky underdogs winning this rather than, because I, I just think the response would be a bit a bit crap, wouldn't it? Be like, well, of course she won. She's ex-army. She's a serving police officer. Of course she won, which makes me think she probably won't. Yeah. The two things that I will also point out is we've only had out of, I think it's 10, 12 winners, only three have been female. So we are very much overdue a female winner. Yeah. I, I know we had Haley last series, but she was the first person to actually win money on Hunted who was a woman. Wow. And also, the the Wanted posters were really not very frequent this series. I think I only saw one. Why do you think that? Why do you no? Um, so why do you think they made them? They didn't make as many. I don't know, because Grace and Abby got one. I think it was definitely a a pair of women who got it. But I think it was after filming had finished, because obviously we didn't know it was twenty three days by that point. Mm-hmm. I think the only time they released a wanted poster publicly was after the show had already finished to throw people off. Really, I didn't see any other wanted posters, and arguably I wasn't. Going looking for them this series. No, but other people would be. Yeah, I didn't see any other wanted posters for Grace and Abby. And I'd usually get a tip off on social media if there's hunted stuff yeah. floating around. And I didn't get anything for this series. It was only when the Grace and Abby poster went up that people went, oh shit, hunted's filming. That's interesting. Because we got quite a lot for celebrity. We got the Ewan and Richard one, especially. And there was another one, I think, as well. So everyone knew that hunted was kind of filming. But then there was barely anything for the Civi series, which is interesting. Yeah. Who's winning, Ant? Um, James and Nathan, Katie and Liam. Who do you think, Michelle? Um, yeah, James and Nathan. But I'm, I'm thinking Katie might. Uh, not Katie. Sarah might get through. I'm against you two. I think you know they're gonna not catch this one. I think it would be an anticlimax if they don't catch Sarah, because she's very much set up in the Jamie vein of a competent law enforcement professional who then just gets caught because they're unlucky, as Anne said earlier. It just seems weird that you know someone as accomplished as her couldn't get through. My gut feel is if Sarah won, we'd be hearing more about her being a mum away from her kids than her being ex-military at this stage. But that could change. The narrative could change. I'm hoping and praying that James and Nathan win because they're hilarious. Yeah. I think if another team does get to the end, it will be Katie and Liam. I would say Grace and Abby, but we've not seen much of them anyway, which is usually a sign of them doing pretty well because there's nothing to report. But we do have that scene right at the start of John and Nicola being right behind, mm. which concerns me a little bit. Yeah, I'd have expected a little bit more backstory from them as well in the first two episodes if they were going to win. But then again, just think back to our winners last year. Yeah. (laughs) There was so, so little of Ben and Rob for a lot of that series. Yeah. This is true. Which is ridiculous given the stories that Rob told us that they absolutely should have put on TV. Have you guys got anything else you want to say? So good to have it back. I know. Yeah, it's back. 
even though it's super inconvenient this year, we're still going to be here. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just might be stressing a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have much leeway in there to edit. No, I don't have much leeway. And Channel 4 have completely shafted us with the uh, the release of this program. But we're still here. It's going to be Saturdays every week. You're just going to have to live with it like we do. Sorry. <laughs> so with that, thank you for listening to our first Hunted recap of the series. We'll be back this time next week for another pair of episodes. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are, TV Warriors. Or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Anthony's on Twitter at Bullsboy. Michelle is Bear3333333. And I'm MJ Harmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. We'll see you this time next week for another pair of episodes. But with that, for this week, your time in the run is over. Bye. I didn't, I didn't know we had a Patreon. Yeah, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you should be listening to the podcast more, mate.